nursing industry is one of the fastest growing career forces in the world today. There are so many issues in the healthcare field these days relating to nurses that simply are not discussed in the media. Welcome to Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse, exploring the world of nursing with Leanne Meyer. Our program will help you with the most relevant information if you're in the nursing field or are planning to enter the industry. Now, here is your host, Leanne Meyer. Welcome back to Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse, exploring the world of nursing. This is Leanne Meyer, and I'm um, here today. Uh, This is kind of a a special day. They always are, I guess, but this one I especially feel is important. Um, The title of our program today is Workplace Violence, It Can Happen to You. So from the the time the first time that I started hearing about workplace violence in healthcare and the statistics that go with it, I was truly shocked and realized that um, uh, we definitely needed to do a show uh, about that. And so um, as an active bedside nurse, there were a lot of injuries when I was working, and that's, you know, 25, 30 years ago, um, but I was not aware of conscious violence. And um, perhaps the increase in opioid use and unaddressed, unaddressed mental health issues have contributed to the increase, I'm not sure. But the other thing that shocked me was that the healthcare organizations were not necessarily supporting nurses who were injured at work. And in fact, some nurses were fired. I first heard my first guest, Donna Zankowski, on a webinar uh, from ANA on this issue and asked her to be on the show. She introduced me to Pat Moon Updike, who uh, was not only seriously injured on the job, but also had the courage to speak to a congressional committee on the subject. So please join me in welcoming my guests, uh, Donna Zankowski and Pat Moon Updike. Donna, can you tell us just a brief overview of your career? and then how you got into this workplace violence? Uh, Sure. Well, first of all, thank you so much for letting me be on the show today. Uh, So I've been a nurse, uh, a registered nurse since 1985, but I started my career as a nursing assistant back in 1976. So Mm -hmm. many, many years of uh, being in healthcare and loving healthcare and healthcare workers. Um, I currently am an occupational health nurse uh, for about the last 15 years or so, and it was really my first time that I saw what happened to injured healthcare workers, you know, where they went, what mm-hmm. happened next. Mm-hmm. Uh, and through doing that, I realized in many cases how poorly healthcare workers are treated when they're injured on the job. Uh, I've always been a bit of a, a, an activist in some way, and I've been uh, volunteering for uh, safe patient handling and now workplace violence legislation. Uh, for the past couple of years, and uh, I received some extra training uh, as an intern at OSHA back in 2014 on workplace violence, and it was that extra training that that helped me uh, to get to where I am today, which is advocating for workplace violence prevention. Wonderful. I'm so glad that there are people like you out there that are doing this and taking up that baton. So, um, Pat Moon, can you um, just share a little bit of your biography? How did you get into nursing? And um, what were some of the things that you did while you were a nurse? Sure. Um, I've actually wanted to be a nurse since I was nine years old. Um, (laughs) Okay. And I'm one of those people who got to be what she wanted to be when she grew up. Um, I started out late in life. I was a foster mom for seven years, 
and then um, at 27 years old said, I'm going to nursing school. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, with two foster kids, I started nursing school and then had two more kids in nursing school. Wow. Um, and finally um, realized my dream in 2007 and went straight into the ICU, which I don't recommend. <laughs> um, right. And uh, eventually went into women's health and uh, ended up actually uh, becoming a jail nurse, which I absolutely loved. I loved correctional nursing. Wonderful. Um, and then our jail um, here uh, in Wisconsin, where I worked, um, was privatized. And that's a very common thing happening now. Correctional nursing is being uh, privatized. Mm-hmm. And so to, be, to stay a, um, a county employee, I had to go into the mental health complex. Mm-hmm. And... Um, and that's where, you know, my nursing career kind of took a different turn. Okay. So um, take that a little further and tell us what happened to you um, that brought you into the workplace violence realm. Um, so I had been with our um, mental health complex here in Wisconsin um, for about four months. And... Um, was in the adolescent unit, and um, there was a patient there who was pretty, really, really well known to the unit. I was very new into the unit, and he was having a very aggressive day, mm-hmm. and he should have been on a one-on-one situation, but the doctor uh, wasn't putting him on that one-on-one um, placement because we didn't have the staff to cover him. Um, and I, he wasn't my patient that day, and we uh, had uh, an orientee on the floor, and it was the end of the shift, and that patient was at the end of the unit just thrashing and screaming, and mm-hmm. he was also known to um, break windows and mm-hmm. smash doors. And he was a very large adolescent um, and all of a sudden, the male orientee decided that he needed to go help with the situation mm-hmm. um, because this this patient's nurse wasn't on the unit at the time. We couldn't find him. And mm-hmm. I didn't want the orientee to get hurt when right. I'm the nurse on the unit. Mm-hmm. So I went to help with the situation, and um, th- this young man was very hostile and posturing and screaming and um, security was called. We thought four security guards were coming, only two came. And uh, we ended up in a restraint situation and got him into a restraint room, a quiet, calm-down room, um, and got him on the floor on a mattress. And he, um, when an all-clear an all was called, he um, threw up his leg like kind of in a Chuck Norris Uh and kicked me in the throat. Wow. He was aiming for the security guard next to me, and he got (laughs) me. And um, I felt a pop, and um, all the air rushed out of me, and he he actually kicked me so hard, my head flipped back. Mm -hmm. And uh, somebody grabbed me. They were screaming, you know, Pat's been hit. They got me out into the um, hallway. I couldn't breathe. They were trying to get vitals on me. Ambulance was called. 
and it ended actually up, luckily, across the street at a, our trauma hospital where they um, intubated me through my nose. I was awake. And being a nurse in that situation, mm-hmm. um, you know, you understand everything that's exactly. going on. You hear everything. And you know that what 44 respirations per minute means and they can't get a mm-hmm. line in and your scrubs are being cut off and your ID is being cut off. And um, I didn't know if I was ever going to be able to say goodbye to my children. Wow. Uh, I, was, I was so scared and I heart, was hardly breathing. They actually took me up to surgery to see if he had crushed my trachea. Mm-hmm. And I woke, up, I woke up the night too. So... Okay, so you woke up in ICU, and had you been to surgery at that point? You yes, had, I had been, I and, had been and they didn't find anything um, uh, no, wrong they, with your they, trachea. Um, luckily, he did not crush my trachea. I was uh, my head was twice its size. I always <sighs> say I look like Rocky at the end of the fight. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Um, yeah. And uh, the right side of my head was double in size he had uh, he had knocked me out pretty good okay let's come back to this and kind of what happened after that a little bit later but Donna can you put this into perspective are there statistics that kind of give us an idea is this an isolated incident Uh, no unfortunately it's not an isolated incident at all and it's a it's a horrible story and it just it hurts me to hear it whenever Pat tells it um yeah. So according to OSHA, uh, the, the most recent statistics I have, uh, 75% of workplace assaults uh, occur in healthcare and social service. So that means of all workers injured in the United States uh, by workplace violence, 75% of those are actually healthcare or social service workers. Wow. Um, if you're a healthcare worker, you're four times more likely to be assaulted at work than if you work in a private industry. So think about that, four times more likely to be assaulted. Uh, And then if you look at the data through the Bureau of Labor Statistics, uh, for the years, the most recent years that we can see, workplace violence against healthcare and social service workers is increasing. So this is not getting better. It's actually getting worse. Mm -hmm. And what do you attribute it to? Oh, my. You know, what's causing this increase? Is this... Yeah, I think some of the things you mentioned, you know, we do have an opioid crisis. We do have a mental health and an untreated mental health crisis. Um, Also, you know, I think if you just look at the world, I mean, we, we, you know, we have violence that's occurring, big cities, small cities. Uh, What happens in in the healthcare uh, facility is is a reflection of what's Mm -hmm. happening in the general population. So if you have, you know, violence occurring in the community, really you're going to have violence occurring in the, the local healthcare facility. Mm-hmm. Uh, and also I think you have a, a crisis of staffing, mm-hmm. uh, which can definitely contributes, uh, you know, and we're not meeting the challenge. That's really what it comes down to. The, the policies or systems, or whatever limited resources we currently have in place is just not enough. Say more about that. Um, What would you like to see that would um, better meet the needs? 
Well, I mean, one of the things that I'm directly involved with um, is there's some legislation right now pending before Congress. It's uh, H.R. 1309 and Senate Bill 851, and it's, it's called the Workplace Violence Prevention for Healthcare and Social Service Act. And basically what that would do would be to mandate OSHA to create a workplace violence standard. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then that standard, you know, has certain... Uh, things that it, that it would require of each healthcare facility and each social service facility, uh, and, and that would go a long way to sort of have just a basic level of protection that would level the playing field so that all healthcare systems are contributing, you know, financially to creating this safer work environment, mm-hmm. uh, and, and I think that. There are some very good examples of how OSHA standards have worked in the past, and I think this is an issue that uh, would definitely be benefited by having an, uh, a workplace violence OSHA standard. Mm-hmm. And if I could just bring up something also. Yes. Um, the facility that I worked in um, was not, didn't have any OSHA oversight, didn't have any Ooh. state oversight. Um, it, it was self-governed. Um, it was governed by a mental health board. That was um, that was put in place by our county executive. So this legislation would cover would now you know have an overseeing body of you know kind of health care facilities that I kind of have you know not had that before. Mm-hmm. Um, my place of employment wasn't held accountable for my assault because they didn't have to answer to anyone. And is that because it was a private um, uh, jail system? No, it was, a, it's a, it was a county facility. It was a county facility. I was thinking yeah. that maybe there's so many yeah. of the private systems that are going up that seem to have very little or no oversight. Right. That's another issue yeah. where money OSHA. is the bottom line. Yeah, depending on the state you're in, OSHA... Uh, may or may not cover government employees. Uh, so, you know, uh, OSHA plans vary from state to state. Uh, federal OSHA, you know, is not necessarily involved with government employees, but some state plans do. So, um, you know, having a federal OSHA standard would mean that for all the states uh, governed by a federal plan, uh, it would, you know, pertain to you and then all the state OSHA plans would have to also enact a workplace violence standard as as strict or stricter than the federal standard. Mm-hmm. But that's right. You know, there are going to be some loopholes. There are going to be some places that won't be covered, but it would cover the vast majority right. of uh, of healthcare facilities. One of the questions I always have is how much um, this problem of not really um, standing behind healthcare workers or social care workers um, has to do with managers that don't have healthcare background that are managing. <laughs> is that um, something that is real or not? That if, if it's somebody who works from a business model as opposed to looking at at the organization, the employees equally as important as the patients. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, I think that you don't really know what's happening 
firsthand unless you've done it. You know, it's hard to describe the job of a healthcare worker unless you're a healthcare worker. There's always that. But I think that a, part of the, a big part of the problem is that we haven't placed a priority of, patients, uh, of worker safety at the same level of patient safety. Right. You know, we, we've always been very patient-focused. Uh, patient satisfaction scores, uh, patient injury rates, and all those things are important. But until we elevate worker safety uh, to the same level of priority as patient safety, we are never going to have a true safe work environment in healthcare. Uh, and you can't really have a safe environment for your patients unless you have a safe environment for your workers. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, can't, you can't really have one without the other. And we haven't, we haven't gotten to the point where we're willing to, to do what's necessary to make it safe for workers. Um, Pat, maybe this would be a good place to go a little bit further. What happened? You woke up in ICU, and then what happened after that? Um, did you get support from your organization um, with the injuries that you had, physical and mental? Um. I had wonderful support from my workman's comp um, Mm -hmm. nurses. Um, But as far as the facility that I worked in, um, everyone that I worked with kind of backed off from me. Hmm. Um, I didn't have a lot of support from the people that I worked with. I kind of lost them. And I never knew why. And I just found out recently, very recently, and this was four years ago, um, that administration um, pretty much put the word out that that assault was my fault. Oh, really? That I did not follow protocol. Now, I don't know what protocol is when um, you are kicked in the throat after an Uh all-clear. Right. So um, that has kind of helped put my mind at peace. That okay, there was there was something put out by administration that um, that kind of put people, you know, kind of um, uncomfortable with me. Mm-hmm. And I hear that that is very common quite often. Um, and unfortunately, it um, it it stigmatizes mental health in uh, in work in healthcare. Is mm-hmm. not acceptable. Hmm. Um, and the fact that I ended up with a pretty severe diagnosis of PTSD after that assault. Um, I would imagine. Yeah, very much so. Um, it, it definitely um, led people to believe that I was the weakest link. Yeah. And that the fact that I couldn't return to work, um, I should have been able to bounce back as a nurse. Why, why couldn't I bounce back? And I kept asking myself that as a nurse. Right. And I didn't realize how much that assault would impact my psyche um, and my life. Because as a nurse, I thought that I wore a cape and I could do right. anything. Right. We actually are up against a break, and I think this might be a good place to take the break. And then when we come back, maybe we can talk a little bit more about how it impacted you going forward. Mm-hmm. So this is Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse, Exploring the World of Nursing. And I'm Leanne Meyer. I'm here today 
with my two guests, Donna Zankowski and Pat Moon Updike. And we've been talking about workplace violence. It can happen to you. We'll be back in just a couple of minutes. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. Now there's a new destination for video content, voiceamerica.tv, just like our radio channels and so much more. Voice America Variety, Health and Wellness, Business, Sports, Green Talk, Power Up Motorsports, and 7th Wave Network now have their own video channel components. Plus, check out exclusive programming, including movies, music, educational courses, science and history, current events, and short features. High-definition, premier-quality programs available 24-7, voiceamerica.tv. If you think you've seen online TV like this before, let us surprise you. If you like what you're hearing on Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse, consider supporting the show. In the one year since the show started, we've increased our listening audience by nearly 7,900% and our goal to reach 50 countries and counting. Whether you are looking to reach a regional, national, or worldwide audience, you'll have a competitive advantage by advertising on Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse. It's the perfect platform. Contact Senior Executive Producer Tacey Trump today at 480-294-6421. That's 480-294-6421. Take us on the go. It's even easier now. The Voice America Talk Radio Network has a mobile app for iOS, Android, or Amazon Kindle. Visit the Apple App Store, Amazon, or Google Play to download the app powered by Aircast. It's free and no registration is necessary. In minutes, you could be enjoying your favorite Voice America Talk Radio host no matter where you are, in the car, out and about, while traveling, or anytime you can't be close to your computer. Catch up on the archives you've missed or discover new shows on the spot. Search Voice America at your favorite app store. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective. Plus topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite host. It's just a click away at blog.voiceamerica.com. That's blog.voiceamerica.com. The Voice America Press Blog. All access, all the time. A fresh look at today's health. Voice America Health and Wellness. You are listening to Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse. Exploring the world of nursing with host Leanne Meyer. To reach the program today, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to leannevoiceamerica at gmail.com. Now, back to Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse. Welcome back, and thank you for uh, coming back with us. Uh, We're talking about workplace violence today and that it can happen to you. Uh, My guests today are Donna Zankowski and Pat Moon Updike. Pat has just been telling us about the horrendous experience she had with being kicked in the throat by a patient that was on a mental health unit and... um, and kind of the the you know immediate physical things were going having to go to surgery and um, you know the feeling that you're dying that actually that you can't get a breath and that sort of thing. Um, 
she also had mentioned that uh, she did not get support from her coworkers because the administration had put out the message that she was at fault um, in this situation. So I wanted to go back just briefly to Donna Zankowski as an occupational nurse. How does this stand up in what you have seen in other situations? Donna? Unfortunately, as an occupational health nurse, I have worked at facilities that were not supportive of injured workers. Uh, You know, you do the best that you can to change it, but I have seen injured workers be be punished by, you know, bad work assignments when they come back from an injury or, you know, others that have lost their jobs were let go because the, the facility wasn't willing to try and accommodate them. Uh, especially if they had, you know, any kind of restrictions. Uh, and that's what inspired me, really, to, to do this kind of volunteer work. Mm-hmm. Uh, and now I know um, Pat and I have been talking, and, and I know that Pat had said she received some training on de-escalation, which is kind of the, the one thing that healthcare facilities have been doing is a little bit of training on de-escalation, maybe a couple of hours, maybe a day, maybe it's an online program. Uh, most of the time they're only providing that training to emergency department and behavioral health nurses and healthcare workers. And, and the thing I want to mention about that is that de-escalation by itself is not enough. Uh, it, is, it is not enough to prevent all workplace violence. Not all violence can be de-escalated. Uh, there are many situations where you wouldn't even want to attempt it. Mm-hmm. Uh, certainly, you know, someone with a weapon or something like that, mm-hmm. uh, that requires an entirely different type of response. Uh, and if that's the only tool you're using, you are not providing your workers with enough protection. It's like mm-hmm. a carpenter going to a job site with only a screwdriver. You know, right. um, it, it's, <laughs> there's so much more that can be done to prevent workplace violence from an administrative level, uh, engineering level, you know, uh, work practices. There's so many things that can be done mm-hmm. uh, that, that going back to that legislation, that really would be encompassed in that workplace violence legislation. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that if you're relying on your worker to de-escalate every situation as your only frontline defense, you are leaving mm-hmm. them vulnerable and mm-hmm. it's not going to be successful. Say just a bit about what is de-escalation when you're talking about that. Some people may not have even had four hours of training. Uh, what are the, the basic things that would be involved in de-escalation? Um, well, I mean, I'll, I'll let uh, Pat add to this too, but basically it's therapeutic listening, uh, mm-hmm. trying to resolve conflict uh, peacefully, uh, you know, trying to get the person to calm down. Uh, talk them out of any kind of violent intention uh, until the situation is de-escalated. The situation has now calmed down. Mm-hmm. Well, that's, it just does not work in every situation. It can be helpful. It has been shown to be helpful, but it is not entirely preventative. And Pat, mm-hmm. did you want to talk more about that? Sure, because even um, I worked in a mental health facility and we were even given training as to, like, if a patient would come up behind us, mm-hmm. how to handle, you know, to break the hold. And that, but it was a four-hour training. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't have a patient come up behind me. I had a patient kick me straight in the throat. Mm-hmm. That's a in a second. That, 
Right. And, and yeah, no time to you, react. None. How do you prepare for that? Um, mm-hmm. You know, we in that facility, we had patients who went after nurses with chairs. Mm. Um, you know, these are situations that, um, you know, how do you prepare for that? Mm-hmm. And and these are some of these patients are known to the, the facility, known to the staff, and not given proper precautions as far as sitters or one-on-ones because of the staffing shortage. If, excuse me, in the facility, mm-hmm. um, and that's part of the workplace violence um, pieces that we we also need to speak about is the the short staffing. Mm-hmm. Um, when you are working in a violent in a violent situation such as uh, environments in mental health or the ER, um, you need to be properly staffed. Mm-hmm. Um, running short staffed and having that kind of environment leads to toxic environments, mm-hmm. especially for our nursing staff. Who those? That's the front line of defense that you have against patients and, and irate families, and you, you are having a nurse with no protection. Right. One of and the, and just, uh, just, I'm, I'm sorry, sorry, Pat, didn't mean to cut you off. The workplace violence is happening in all areas of our healthcare oh, yeah. facility. It doesn't even have to be behavioral health or ED. I mean, you know, med surge, peds, for goodness sakes. You know, you have uh, encounters with visitors. Family members. It's not always the patient. Uh, it could be a coworker. Uh, you know, workplace violence is coming at healthcare workers from all angles, mm-hmm. and and we need to have protection from all the types of workplace violence that that we're going to encounter. One of the things that um, that they spoke about when I was in Washington was um, having panic buttons for nurses. Mm-hmm. I personally have one for myself that I have purchased privately, um, and when you are alone in a, in a room with a patient and, and that patient corners you, you have nowhere to go. You, have, you can't call anyone. You, you are there mm-hmm. with, with no, you know, way to, to contact anyone. Mm-hmm. There have been nurses in, you know, in Illinois who was overtaken by a patient and raped. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and, and say, things- say a little bit about your panic button. What what is it? What's what's the company? What does it look like? How is it helpful to you? It is a godsend, <laughs> mm. um, especially for someone with severe PTSD. It it's called Invisaware, and um, it, it's actually I can't wear a necklace. I've been not not been able to wear a necklace since mm-hmm. my adult. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, it, it's on a bracelet, and it looks like a piece of jewelry, and it, um, you are able to hit it twice, and you have to hit it with purpose, and is connected to my cell phone. You are able to connect it to 911 if you wish. Um, it is connected to five, my five people in my family. Um, if I am somewhere um, and I am hurt or I, my PTSD gets out of control, I can hit that button twice, and it sends out a GPS location of where I am. Uh-huh. Or it will summon 911, and 911 will call me and ask me what 
um, the emergency is. Um, some healthcare facilities are investing in panic buttons for their staff. Uh, sometimes it's not the entire hospital. Again, it's just those certain units. Uh, and I, I don't know, you know, any data on how many hospitals are doing this, but it, it's it, it's not. Uh, it's certainly not all of them. That I can tell you for sure. It's not mm-hmm. enough. <laughs> right. Yeah. It almost sounds like we all need to be wearing them. Um, you know, you think about all of these uh, attacks that are happening in the country in various different places where you'd never expect, and uh, here you are, you know, and nobody perhaps able to get to a cell phone or, or get to a safer place and just to be able to summon the the um, police or somebody coming to help you would be um, a huge benefit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, absolutely. So talk a little bit, Pat, about um, uh, when you left the ICU and went home, uh, were you welcomed back to work? Did you try to go back to work? I, um, I actually, um, the, the effects of PTSD hit me pretty hard, pretty fast. Um, mm-hmm. I uh, started having terrible nightmares. Um, flashbacks were, were horrible. Um, I got very panicked to even go outside of my home. Very, I started being very afraid of people and, mm-hmm. and crowds. Um, I was, I knew in my brain that the, the you know, that the, the chance of being assaulted again were very um, slim. But mm-hmm. there were other parts of my brain that were like, "You don't know that. You can't promise me that." And I became very much isolated. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I got really good help with a psychiatrist and a psychologist. Um, who said, you cannot go back to work. Um, the county wanted me to go back to work and um, very much pushed for that and wanted me actually to go back into that same unit, and it was a locked unit. Um, wow. And a very large building. To this day, I can't do large buildings by myself, and it's mm-hmm. been four years. Um, in the last four years, I have not been to a sporting event I have not been to um, a mall, a concert. I, I can't go into a large crowd. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not comfortable in those situations and that unpredictability mm-hmm. of people. Right. Uh, because so, I can't Donna, control that crowd. Donna, what would you like to see? Now, you have these two bills before the House and the Senate. Um, what's in it, and how are they being received? Um, well, I'd say the the bill in the House uh, there has been has passed out of committee. It has yeah. over two hundred co sponsors, and I'm uh-huh. hoping that it will go to a full vote in the House in the in the months to come. Mm-hmm. Uh, but of course, we could use more co sponsors. So I would just say. Uh, anybody that's interested in doing a little bit of advocacy on your own, you know, you don't have mm-hmm. to have any experience, uh, you can just go on congress.gov and look up your legislator, and you'll be able to look up this bill, uh, H.R. 1309. You'll be able to see if your legislator is a co-sponsor or not. If they are, you can send them an email and thank them uh, very easily through their, through their webpage. If, if they aren't a co-sponsor, you can ask them to please sign on because it would be helpful. Uh, in terms of the Senate, there's not as, as much support 
uh, and it's possible that it will not go to a vote in the Senate in, in this current session, but that doesn't mean that it won't be reintroduced next time, and okay. you know, we need more momentum. Sometimes it takes a decade for legislation mm-hmm. to get passed, you know, if, if mm-hmm. it does. Uh, so I, I think that there's hope. Um, uh, the other thing that I'd really like folks to know, uh, and I'd like to ask every nurse and every healthcare worker to do, is to report every incident of workplace violence every time it happens. And it's not just the actual act of violence itself. Any threat of violence or aggression, uh, I want you to report through the system that's in place in the facility where you work, and certainly every act of aggression and violence of any kind, you know, kick, spite, scratch, punch, anything, I want you to make a report. And the reason why it's so important to do that is because right now workplace violence is, is greatly underreported, and that's part of the problem for why we're not getting the resources put into this problem that we need. And once everyone starts reporting all the incidences and threats of workplace violence, it will become such an apparent issue that healthcare facilities will bump it to the top uh, and it will get the attention that it deserves because what gets reported on gets acted on. So I could, I'd like to ask everyone out there to report uh, every time it happens. We're uh, again coming up against a break and I'm thinking let's take the break now and then uh, when we come back, we can uh, pick this up and, and keep going forward with it. So um, <clears throat> this is Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse, Exploring the World of Nursing. We're talking about workplace violence. It can happen to you. My guests are Donna Zankowski, who is an occupational nurse and is working um, pretty specifically now on workplace violence issues. <clears throat> and Pat Moon Updike, who has had an experience of being uh, having violence at work. We'll be back in just a couple minutes. Your life, your health, your network. This is Voice America Health and Wellness. If you like what you're hearing on Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse, consider supporting the show. In the one year since the show started, we've increased our listening audience by nearly 7,900% and our goal to reach 50 countries and counting. Whether you are looking to reach a regional, national, or worldwide audience, you'll have a competitive advantage by advertising on Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse. It's the perfect platform. Contact senior executive producer Tacey Trump today at 480-294-6421. That's 480-294-6421. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. The Voice America Live Events Channel is here now to showcase your corporate, individual, or organization's live event. Visit voiceamerica.com forward slash live events 
to see all of our past live events and find out more. Whether it's a multi-day conference, special speaker, or single-day event, we've got everything to make your event a success. We can do a few hours or a few days. For more information about taking your event to the next level, call Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or email info at voiceamerica.com. Again, that's Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or send us an email to info at voiceamerica.com. Voice America is where you are and where you want to be. Join us around the globe as we broadcast live from some of the most interesting events available. Don't forget to view all our live events, including on-demand access to past events that you may have missed by visiting voiceamerica.com forward slash live events. Opinions, options, answers. Voice America Health and Wellness. You are listening to Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse. Exploring the world of nursing with host Leanne Meyer. To reach the program today, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to leannevoiceamerica at gmail.com. Now, back to Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse. We're back again with Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse, Exploring the World of Nursing. This is Leanne Meyer. We're talking today about workplace violence and that it can happen to you. Um, My guests today are Donna Zankowski, who has worked for occupational therapy, (laughs) occupational occupational nurse, and um, Pat Moon Updike, who has been a victim of violence in the past. So we've talked a lot about what are some of the issues that are going on. Um, Is there something that nurses, like say on a unit, if they found themselves working in a place where uh, it just doesn't, um, uh, it doesn't seem like the uh, administration or the uh, whoever else is is supposed to be supporting isn't specifically supporting. Can people on a unit themselves make some plans that would be helpful to each other? Donna, uh, probably. Well, I, I think that the first thing that you need to do is, is be having a conversation about what's really happening. Um, I, I think we need to be talking about workplace violence when it happens. We need to be supporting each other when it happens. Uh, it is not part of the job. so uh, And we shouldn't minimize it. We shouldn't normalize it. Uh, you know, oh, that happened to you, but that happened to me, and it was so much worse, or... You know, uh, we we um, we make it normal so that we can continue to do our job. Mm-hmm. We we need to find a way to support each other, but also say this isn't normal. Uh, making a report to your uh, administrators every time violence happens is, is one way to do that. Uh, talking about it, an end of shift report when it happens, letting other people know that it's occurred. Don't keep it a secret. Don't hide it. Uh, talking to the security and safety folks at your facility, uh, ask for meetings with your administrators, uh, talk to your supervisors. I mean, elevate this to the level of crisis that it really is. Uh, and, and just, you know, don't give up. Uh, keep doing what you can. Try, you know, to be safe on your own. Ask for training. Certainly, if they're offering training, ask to take it. Uh, and, and, you know, don't accept it as part of your job. 
Well, and if Excellent. I can, if I can add too. Yes, go um, ahead. In the state that I live in, in Wisconsin, um, it's not acceptable that here um, it is a felony to assault a police dog, mm-hmm. um, but it is a misdemeanor to assault a nurse. Wow. I mean, there is there is something so wrong in that dichotomy. Right. And that is, you know, that things like that need to change. Like we nurses and healthcare providers need to change that culture um, and need to find ways to to make it unacceptable and make that allowable. Um, and if if we work at it and, and say no, we're not gonna we're not going to make this allowable and, you know, it's not part of our job. It's not okay that we get hurt and go back to work and finish our shift after we get work, you know, after we get hurt. Um, it's a, it's an entire culture that needs to be seen differently. Um, two things that come up. One to Donna, is this, uh, what Pat is saying, is this part of the, the bills that are going through? Will it, uh, bring it up to a higher level um, uh, event. I don't know what you call it, but um, do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. With the with the current legislation is just talking about creating an OSHA standard. So, okay. uh, if someone did not comply with the standard, they'd receive an OSHA citation. So, that's um, a, a different type of uh, enforcement. Uh, what Pat's talking about is would be through the judicial system, and mm-hmm. that's more of a you know a, a legal enforcement for felony. And, and some states do have felony bills. Uh, you, actually, many many states have felony bills for it to be a felony of assaulting a healthcare worker. Uh, a lot of other states have felony bills for assaulting uh, EMS mm-hmm. uh, and first responders. So I think a lot of states are going in that direction. Um, I. I for me, the only thing I would mention on that is, as I've not yet seen any research that that um, prevents workplace violence incidents. Sure. However, it does at least uh, punish it. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, there's that. I guess it has to do with the situation, too. I think in terms of patients I've seen that were in full meltdown and really didn't know what they were doing, what they were seeing. It was like they were in a hologram situation where what they were seeing had nothing to do with the reality around them. So, you know, sending them to a federal prison is probably not going to be helpful. Um, Right. And and mental health is taken into account, actually. I mean, when you have to prosecute these cases, I think the mm-hmm. state's attorneys, you know, look at that. Is this, you know, well, um, what are the mitigating circumstances? Is this a winnable case? And, right. you know, it, it, um, oh, there's quite a lot involved with uh, bringing a case and, and seeing it to uh, judgment. Right. The other thing that I think about when Pat was talking um, in my situation uh, years and years ago where they kept bringing up new things that they wanted nurses to do. Um, Staff was being taken away from, say, uh, linen department and um, uh, nutrition services so that they would say, oh, the nurses can pick up the trays. The nurses can handle the the dirty laundry and picking up new linen. Um, And they just kept adding on to what the nurses could do. And the nurses kept saying, we can't do all those things. We're at maxed out. We cannot do any more. And then we would. 
and partly because it, you know, these things needed to be done, and we just figured out a way to make it happen. And so every time we would come back again and say, oh, we can't do this, they would say, oh, they always say that, but they always manage to do it. And so I think well, there's something in that, yeah. too. Well, they manage to do it, and then they're also injured and burnt out, right. you know. I mean, right. uh, short staffing is definitely associated with increased workplace violence. Short staffing mm-hmm. is also associated with increased, uh, you know, uh, musculoskeletal disorders mm-hmm. and, and patient handling injuries. So short staffing uh, creates a whole litany of ills. Uh, so, you know, uh, it, 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 that in itself is, is an issue that we can have a whole other radio show about. <laughs> right. Yes, that's true. And, and even just... Uh, the things that nurses deal with, the, the stress. I don't think uh, somebody brought it up earlier. Uh, people don't really understand what a healthcare worker does, what a nurse is doing, unless you're a healthcare worker. I can remember feeling that way when, um, you know, you just don't you don't see nurses a lot, uh, either unless you're a patient or you have a, a relative that's a nurse. <clears throat> Maybe here's some of the, the things that they've been dealing with. Um, or you look at movies and TVs, and often the nurses don't take a front front row seat. Um, they're somewhere in the background, and they're in a support role, and it's like, nah, no big deal. Right. So right. we are at a point where I'd really like to give each of you a uh, little bit of time to, um, you know, what would you like to leave nurses uh, around the world with? What is the number one thing you want to make sure they understand and leave them with as we go? Um, I'm sorry, Donna, first. Yeah. 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 Okay. yeah. Well, first of all, thank you so much for letting me be on today. Um, oh, you're so I guess welcome. the thing I'd like to leave everyone with is that, you know, if you're a healthcare worker, Thank you. Um, we need you. Uh, nursing and, and healthcare, uh, you need to know that violence is not acceptable and it's not part of your job. And I want you to support each other, especially, uh, you know, when someone is injured on the job, support that person. Uh, I want you to report every time that you have an incident of workplace violence or a threat of workplace violence, please make that report because even though... Uh, it's going to take time from your day to do that, even though you might personally fear some repercussion from doing that. That's the one thing that you can do that's going to help make this situation better. We need better data. Uh, we need to show the seriousness of this issue. And, uh, and I, I do believe there's hope. I think that if we work together to change this culture, that we will change it. Are there some people that are um, putting a lot of effort into this? Yes. Actually, there's a lot of people that are, are putting a lot of effort into this. I know I've done some volunteer work with the American Nurses Association. I know Emergency Nurses Association has been working on this a long time. National Nurses United. Uh, I'm personally part of a collaborative between the Maryland Nurses Association and the Maryland Hospital Association. And we're working together to find common ground on what we can do in the state of Maryland. And I'm, I'm very... Uh, hopeful about that collaboration, uh, and, and I know uh, as Occupational Health Nurse, the Association of Occupational Health Nurses is interested in this, in this issue and supportive of, of, of better regulation in this area, and so yeah, there are good people that are working on this issue. 
So mainly as we talk to each other, more and more people will begin to understand there's a problem and start problem solving it. Pat, um, I'd like to hear from you what is hopeful for you. What are you looking forward to and what uh, what was helpful to you in your recovery? Well, I had, um, I would like um, our healthcare environment to not be so afraid of getting the mental health care that we need. We all mm-hmm. need, mm-hmm. Um, and not be so afraid of of people finding out that you know that you are in therapy or um, you need a support group. You know, nurses nurses don't have support groups, mm-hmm. and I think that's a shame. Um, you know, there's so much fear of retribution um, of administration finding out or my coworkers finding out that I'm, you know, that I'm talking to someone. Um, and that's actually one of my goals in my life. Is in my lifetime, I would like to see um, nursing having support groups um, because we deal with some really heavy yes. subjects. Um, and there, there, there actually are some support groups coming forward. Nurses who have been involved in drugs and alcohol uh, in Minnesota, and it's spreading a little bit further than that. There are some support groups to help them get back to working as a nurse again. Um, so it is starting little bit by yeah, little I, bit. I yeah, that makes me hopeful. There's some. Um, I'm sorry, Pat. Um, I was just going to say that there's some social media groups that have been very helpful. I know on mm-hmm. Facebook there's the Silent No More Foundation. Yes. Mm-hmm. And that's specific to workplace violence and healthcare, where folks get together and talk about their experience and and what they can do to support each other. And then in, for nursing in general, there's Show Me Your Stethoscope. As a, a big uh, social media presence, so there there are some organizations out there that are are bringing nurses together to be able to to support each other on an emotional level. And That's it's great. So very important that um, that it not be stigmatized. That right. you know, like I have PTSD, and I may have PTSD for the rest of my life, but I've I've been able to, you know, in with baby steps, you know, come to the point where. Um, I spoke in front of Congress, and um, I gave um, presentation to our, our our state union, and um, I started a new position as a nurse again. Congratulations! Um, thank you. <laughs> um, things I thought I would never do again after my accident, ever. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I, I'm able to, you know, I. I've always wanted to be a nurse. That's what I've always wanted to be. And that's a very big part of my identity that I was missing and mourning. Um, And I was very empty about that. Um, And, you know, we need to let our fellow healthcare providers know that um, you can come back from an injury and Mm -hmm. still be okay and still be accepted. And reach out, be that person who reaches out to the person who's returning and say, if you need anything, let me know. Yeah. If you want to talk, let me know. Yeah. And and just be the listening ear or be the support, being that encouraging person at, at any given point. We're actually yeah. out of time here. And I just want to again thank both of you, uh, Donna Zankowski and Pat Moon Updike. Thank you so much thank for being so on much. here and so much you were able to provide. And, and especially, Pat, thank you for sharing this really difficult situation. I'm so glad that you're seeing a light at the end of the tunnel. <laughs> thank we'll, you. 
like to welcome everybody back next week to listen to yet another show on Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse, Exploring the World of Nursing. This is Leanne Meyer. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse, exploring the world of nursing with your host, Leanne Meyer. Be sure to join us again next Monday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time and 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Have a productive and insightful week. you're hearing on once a nurse always a nurse consider supporting the show in the one year since the show started we've increased our listening audience by nearly 7900 percent and our goal to reach 